You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. We are talking about work. Thank God it's Monday. We kicked off this new message series last week uh, about what it looks like to invite God's rule and reign into the workplace. And you guys know I love pop music, all kinds of pop music. And of course, I've had lots of great ideas for theme songs for this series, uh, but because we do Facebook Live and because of a lot of licensing things, we can't uh, play certain songs and music, but I've been thinking about a lot of them, had a lot of different ideas. You know, I mean, if you're not liking your job a whole lot, uh, Johnny Paychecks, take this job and shove it. Uh, and uh, for some of you, who maybe in the same country vein, of course, Dolly Parton's 9 to 5, a good one. Uh, maybe even more of a pop person, Huey Lewis in the news, uh, working for a living. Work, yeah. But I, I got to tell you, because mainly because I am the husband of an amazing uh, woman with tremendous work ethic, and she's smart and bright, and we have three daughters that follow the same route. It has to be Donna Summers. She works hard for the money. Yes. So you better treat her right. Anyway. So last week, we began this new message series talking about how we, how we view work, but also how we do our work. And it should be that thing of welcoming God's rule and reign into our work setting. And we began with this premise. Uh, right at the beginning of God's word, we see very clearly laid out that the work is a good thing. Work is a God thing. It's the first thing we see God doing. And the big takeaway that God models for us uh, in the Garden of Eden and, and, and gives to Adam and Eve as the first representatives of humanity uh, is that work was part of the Garden of Eden before the fall, and it is still part of God's perfect design for humanity today. Today, we're going to talk about the sacredness of all work. Uh, that's our title for today, and we're going to look at that. Uh, this relates, again, to how we view and how we do our jobs, but it also relates to how we do uh, the work of, of others as well. And I want to begin uh, with a few guiding principles before we look at the work of a man from the Old Testament, and his name was Abezalel. Uh, but first, I want to hit some of these points, and uh, the first one is this. We are all made in the image of God. We're all made in the image of God. Um, and uh, let's see, are we there? Are we having some problems with our PowerPoint this morning? We're all made in the image of God who works. There we go. All right. Thank you. We're all made in the image of God who works. And I've been reading a lot of different things about different theologians and what they've had to say about this thing of a theology of work. And I came across this writing from Pope Paul John II uh, from his famous encyclical on human work. And he worked that work is he wrote that work is fundamental to the truth of the human condition, and that through work, people become who they are intended to be, and that through work, human beings share in the activity of our Creator. And as we looked last week, as we were looking for God's design for work, we looked at Genesis chapters 1 and 2, and we see that in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, we see this throughout history as well as in our own lives today. And so we're all made in the image of God, and our God works, and he wants us to work as well. And next, there is dignity in all good and all honest work. There's dignity in all of it. I don't care what the job is there is dignity in it. 
1968, Dr. Martin Luther King gave a speech in Memphis entitled, All Labor Has Dignity. It was happening during a strike by the city sanitation workers. And Dr. King said this, he said this, so often we overlook the work and the significance of those who were not in professional jobs, uh, of those who were not in so-called big jobs. Dr. King says this, let me say to you tonight that whenever you are engaged in work that serves humanity and is for the building of humanity, it has dignity and it has worth. One day our society must come to see this. One, our, uh, one day our society will come to respect the sanitation worker if it is to survive for the person who picks up our garbage. And the final analysis is as significant as the physician. For if he doesn't do his job, diseases are rampant. All labor has dignity. And certainly this should affect how we see our jobs, right? Uh, hopefully, you've got a good view of your job. You, have a, you see the importance, the significance, especially when you're looking at it as a means by which you can serve humanity, that you can build up humanity. I have had some really interesting jobs in my life. I have had some uh, jobs as a landscaper. Uh, I've enjoyed jobs as uh, selling men's clothes. I've been a wedding singer, not as good as Adam Sadler, but... Uh, you know, I, I do my best. Uh, I have been one who debeaks chickens. That's probably my nastiest job and the one that my family does not like for me to talk about or own up to. Uh, I'm not, talk to me after about what that, what that looks like. It's not pretty. It is not pretty at all. Uh, my very first job after graduating with honors from college the first person in my immediate family to do so, my first job uh, after graduating from college uh, was sweeping the floor of the garage of the Chevrolet dealership on Gordon Highway. Because this is how that happened. Uh, I was interviewing for a bunch of jobs in media. I had graduated with a degree in broadcasting and, and journalism, and I was working on, on getting a job there. I had a lot of interviews lined up. But I came home, my dad's like, what are you doing at home? I'm like, oh, I've got some interviews later on. He's like, well, you got to work. It's like, okay. So I went, I found a temp agency, and it's like, hey, give me some jobs that I can work around my job interviews. And that was the one that came up. So I got there really, really early uh, every morning, and I swept the garage at, I think it was Bob Richard Chevrolet at the time. I think it's Malcolm Cunningham now. But that was my very first job out of college. And then I got a, a job in media uh, a few weeks after that. But my, my, with every job, my parents, who have off-the-chart work ethics, they always taught me to do my very best, no matter what the job does. Because how we do whatever job we've been given says a lot about who we are. And so, again, uh, our point there is that there is dignity in all good and all honest work. Are we having problems with the PowerPoint this morning? Is, that, is it not working or something? Because we're, uh, are we there? Charles, can you take a look and see where we are with that? Sorry about that. I just uh, I'm, I keep referring to this thing and it's not there. So just trying to figure out what's going on there. So that all work has dignity is important for us to remember as we consider not only our own work, but also how we look at others' work. Let's, let's face it, we've got some prejudices in our world, don't we? The way we view maybe you know, someone that works at a, 
a fast food place versus someone who's maybe more in a white collar kind of setting. Uh, there are all kinds of prejudices that we have. We need to be honest about them. Um, I, 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 I wonder sometimes if we treat you know, one person better than another. Um, our oldest daughter, Lily, who is now a nurse in North Carolina, uh, she worked at a fast food place when she was in high school. It was a fast food place that my parents owned. Uh, and she worked there a lot during high school because um, she got to have a lot of flexibility with her schedule. And, and she had some really interesting interactions. And she's a high school student, and she had people coming in. It's like, can't you get a better job than this? And it's like, really? What's wrong with this? this is, I mean, she's a high school student. And she had a lady one day. Um, actually, she was serving her a basket of chicken fingers. And the lady took the chicken fingers and threw them at Lily because she gave her the wrong kind of sauce. It's like, wow, wow. I mean, just, you know, in terms of that. But it did give Lily some really good material for one of her college essays. And... Uh, it worked out well. So I'd ask you this, do we treat blue-collar workers with the same respect we treat white-collar workers? How do we, how do we view? Uh, are, are we setting maybe our kids up for this idea that maybe they, 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 they work really well with their hands? Maybe they love creating and building? And uh, are, we, are we forcing some of them to take career paths because of the vantage point, our culture says this is more significant, this is more important than this kind of job or this kind of job. Um, you know, I would say that as a culture, as a society, as the body of Christ, let us celebrate and show appreciation for good work wherever we find it. Um, I, you know, I, I know when I've received bad customer service. Chances you, you, you're probably highly acutely aware of that as well. I would say, and I've really endeavored in my own life to try to do this, when I receive really good customer service, take the time to go and find that person's manager. Uh, go and find that person's manager to say, I just wanted to take the time to let you know what an awesome job so-and-so did in helping me find this incredibly uh, hard ingredient to find that you have in the most ridiculous place in your grocery store. But this person helped me find it, and I just wanted to say thank you. They did a great job. They were courteous. They were so helpful. They didn't just say, oh, it's, oh I think it's over on aisle 17. Uh, they took me, and they showed me, and I just wanted to say I appreciate that and to celebrate those kinds of things. Because here's the bottom line. Every worker, whether you are doing brain surgery or whether you're serving a happy meal, everybody needs kindness. We all need kindness uh, everybody's uh, in a battle of some sort, and we don't know what's going on in that individual's life. So it's important for us to recognize that all, there's dignity in all kinds of good and honest work and to celebrate that. And finally, I want to encourage all of us to avoid thinking of work as either sacred or secular. Uh, because for followers of Jesus, all of our work should be for the Lord. Whether we are, uh, you know, changing diapers as a stay-at-home parent or whether we are closing multi-million dollar deals, all of our work should be unto the Lord. 
Um, and uh, there's an engineer in our church who I, I told him the other day about our new message series, and he brought me this plaque, and it's the next passage of Scripture uh, from Colossians, and it's uh, what Paul wrote to the church at, at, at Colossae, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. And he's talked about how uh, just having this in his office has presented a lot of great opportunities for him to share uh, his witness as an engineer that, that he's on his job serving the Lord and doing the ministry of Jesus. Now, before I became a pastor here, I, I worked in media. I worked uh, for one of the uh, TV affiliates here in Augusta doing news for them. And I did it for about eight and a half years. I loved my work. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I met a lot of really great people through the years. And, and also as a Christian in that field, I also uh, had an opportunity to pray for people, to encourage people, to share my faith with people. I considered it a place of ministry because it was a place of ministry. Uh, when I started that work back in uh, 1988, I really did not have any desire or notion of doing vocational ministry. That was, not, um, that was not something I wanted to do. It was not something that was on my horizon. Uh, and when I made the change to come on board here as one of the pastors in 1995, I had a lot of people ask me, so Reese, do you feel like you missed God's will over the last eight years of doing medium? I'm like, No. Not at all. It was just me endeavoring to be obedient to God in that season. And I want to be obedient to God in this season, and this is what I feel like he's calling me to do uh, in this season. You know, part of the Protestant Reformation of the 16th century, part of the argument and one of the things that was presented was that all work, even so-called secular work, was as much a calling from God as the ministry of a monk or a priest. And that was a big deal because you got to understand the whole context that this, this came against the belief that at that time that ministry jobs or jobs in the church, capital C, puts you in better standing with God rather than simply faith in God. It was, uh, again, that works mentality. So our primary jobs, again, as pastors, I love my job as a pastor. I'm thankful for my job as a pastor but my primary job, Rogers, Mary Margaret, all of our staff's primary jobs as pastors is not for us just to do the ministry of Jesus, but the primary job for us is to equip all of you to do the ministry of Jesus. And we all go into our workplace, our neighborhood, our gyms, our grocery stores, our marketplace, and we do the ministry of Jesus together. But it is just as much for you to be a minister as a, a, a roofing contractor, as it is for Mary Margaret to be a kids pastor or an outreach pastor. It is just as much a ministry for that. It is just as much a ministry uh, for you to be a chiropractor at the VA uh, than it is for uh, someone to do office manager work here at our church. It is a ministry, and God's called us, and he's calling us to, to welcome his rule and reign and to, to see it not as uh, secular versus sacred, but to understand that as we do this unto the Lord, it is all an act of worship. It is also all sacred. And this morning, for us to see an example of that, I want us to look at an Old Testament guy who wasn't a priest, he wasn't a pastor, he wasn't a minister, but God used his work in an incredible way. His name was Bezalel, 
And his story is found scattered throughout the latter chapters of Exodus, where God is giving Moses his instructions for worship for the children of Israel. So this is uh, Exodus 31. I'm going to read several passages uh, that just give us some background on Bezalel. Uh, It says, then, then the Lord, the context of this is where, again, God is giving Moses instruction for how the children of Israel are to worship him. Then the Lord said to Moses, see, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Now, one of the things that's really significant about this verse, and we see it in the, in, in the, the first verse here in, in verse 3, uh, God says, I have filled Bezalel with the Spirit of God, with the Holy Spirit. And the cool thing about this is there are very few occasions as you read through the Old Testament where you see God filling individuals with the Holy Spirit. Uh, everything is pointing to uh, the day of Pentecost and, and uh, when the Holy Spirit is going to be poured about, out upon all people, uh, men, women, young, old, rich, poor. Uh, but until then, it was just selected times when the Holy Spirit was poured out on, on priests, on kings, or on prophets. But here we see the Holy Spirit being poured out on this artisan, this craftsman uh, named Bezalel. And then there's more about Bezalel in Exodus 36. And this is particularly about the building of of the tabernacle. In verse uh, 1 of chapter 36, it says, So Bezalel, Oholiab, and every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work of constructing the sanctuary are to do the work just as the Lord has commanded. Then Moses summoned Bezalel and Aholiab and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and do the work. So God is calling Bezalel and these others to construct the sanctuary of the tabernacle, and that is the place where the Israelites would come to worship God. And if you read on in the next chapter, in Exodus 37, you see God giving Bezalel very clear instructions on how to build the Ark of the Covenant, which would be the the piece that would go into uh, the inner sanctum of the tabernacle, the Holy of Holies. And if if, if maybe you don't understand this from a standpoint of, of Scripture, maybe you'll remember Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Remember that? Uh, That's what I'm talking about, the Ark of the Covenant that represented the place where the manifest presence of God dwelled. And I want to say this in terms of looking at Bezalel and considering our own jobs and our own work. We should desire that God's manifest presence would inhabit all of our work life. That's that's the goal here. That just as... uh, The Holy Spirit anointed Bezalel, how God gave him instructions, how he followed God's instructions, and he built this this box, basically, this ornate piece of art. But it was a place where the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God inhabited. It was a place that that, that had his, his presence. And when we invite the Holy Spirit to inhabit our work, 
our work, just like Bezalel's, becomes sacred. It becomes a sacred space, a sacred place. There we do our work not just to serve our own interest, but we seek first to serve God's kingdom, and then we serve others, and we are blessed as a result of that. So when the Holy Spirit filled Bezalel, there were many tangible blessings that God gave him as a result of that infilling, blessings that are also available to us. If you look back in in chapter 31, and I want to just hit some of those this morning before we we close our time together, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to to do what God did with, with Bezalel. God filled him with his spirit, and he gave him wisdom. He gave him wisdom. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill your work life with wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is so much more than just knowledge and information. It is insight that is rightly applied in in, in a real-time situation. It's rightly applied knowledge and insight. Ask God for wisdom to do your job well, no matter what your job is. To do your job well, ask him for wisdom. James tells us in his letter to the early church that if we ask for wisdom, God will give it and he will give it generously. Let's ask him for wisdom. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to fill our work life with understanding, with understanding. It's great to have a high IQ, a high intelligence quotient. It's really great to have that. Uh, But it's also important for us to have a strong EQ, uh, a strong emotional quotient, to know how to engage people, to know how to, to relate to people, to be present to them, to listen to them, to be empathetic towards them, to be compassionate. I love the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi, and he prayed, O oh, divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be understood as to understand. That that would be our first goal, That we would not just be about, I've got to be heard here. Have we stopped to actually listen to the person in front of us, to be present to them? Uh, This is a good prayer for emotional intelligence and understanding. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill your life with knowledge. We need to keep growing. I don't care what your job is, whether it's a pastor, whether it's a stay-at-home parent, whether it is a teacher, whether it is a a, a medical person, whether it is a, a contractor, whatever you do, We need to continue growing, keep growing, continuing ed, ongoing training. Be a lifelong learner. There is more for us to know and to grow into. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill your work life with skill. Uh, We saw him doing this with Bezalel, uh, just anointing the skill and and, and him developing it. On the last day of, of last year, 2020, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal, an excellent article entitled, Never Think You're Too Old to Become a Beginner. And the, the whole article was, the idea of it is that there are certain things that happen neurologically in our brain. Uh, when we, uh, especially as, a, as adults, when we feel accomplished in certain things, when we take on the task of trying to grow and to learn something that we become a complete imbecile with, you know? Like, I am an idiot when it comes to this or that or the other. Like, for me, it would be learning a foreign language. Uh, And I took foreign language in college, and that's where I met Mary Margaret, and that is the only good thing I got out of that French class. (laughs) It, that's it. So as I consider some new things that I would be an absolute beginner, uh, foreign language. Maybe for you, it is uh, learning an instrument, a musical instrument. Uh, Maybe for you, it's uh, a a new hobby, Uh, uh, maybe juggling. In fact, the article talked about 
just the idea of, of, of just things like just juggling, just something new that there is almost, there's like a rewiring of our brains that's very healthy and very good for uh, our, our brain care and our brain health. So I encourage you, uh, just keep seeking, asking, looking for opportunities to grow in levels of skill. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill your work life with creativity. Our God is the creator of the universe, the source of all creativity. If you're in a rut, ask the creator to give you fresh insight, to give you fresh ideas, to give, give you just a, a fresh sense of his presence, maybe a fresh sense of calling of why you're there, why he has you there. Then ask the Holy Spirit to fill your work life with a will to work. I mentioned last week that we're in a really weird time in terms of some of our, our levels of employment as a country. Uh, they're, they're down quite a bit, and people are opting not to work for a variety of reasons. And, and, and we need to consider the effects of this, not just on our financial bottom line, but we need to consider the effects on the, uh, in terms of our, our own emotional, spiritual, relational well-being, even physical well-being. Um, we, we see here that... Um, there are you know, difficult seasons for all of us. I can't tell you that I loved sweeping the floor at the, the, the Chevrolet dealership. It was not what I had intended. And it, thankfully, it wasn't something I had to do for a long time because I, you know, I had other ideas. I had other things that I wanted to do with my life. Uh, but it was an honest job, and it was one that paid well, and I got to meet some nice people, and, and it worked out well. But... Um, I can't say that, you know, I love doing that job. I hated debeaking chickens. It was nasty. It was just hot and nasty. And, and that was not fun either. And we've all had those days. And I got to tell you, as a pastor, there are days that sort of like, oh, not as bad as debeaking chickens. But uh, yeah. But there are some Sunday afternoons and some Monday mornings that it's like, oh, I'm not so sure about this. And maybe you're in that kind of spot um, where we, we maybe just the job we're in, it seems like a dead end. We're frustrated. Uh, we, there's no sense of satisfaction. And, and it's just, Lord, I don't even want to go in tomorrow. And maybe right now it's just that you need that will to work. And I, and I love the fact that in this passage, the writer of Exodus tells us that one of the things about Bezalel was that he was willing to show up and do the work. And sometimes it's just, that's, that's what it is. It's, uh, it's about doing that. It's about honoring God. He showed up and he did the work as God had instructed. And ultimately, it's about asking the Holy Spirit to fill our work life with simple obedience. Because Bezalel showed up, he did the work. He didn't do the work the way he wanted to do it. He did the work according to the plans that God had laid out for him. And success in the kingdom of God, it's based on one thing and one thing alone, and it's not the results of our work, it's our obedience to God. I, I so appreciate last Sunday, I was, after the message, I had several people come up and mention different scenarios in their work life. One lady who's a teacher in our congregation came up and said, you know, I've been really wanting to retire for quite a while, and I've been seeking the Lord about, should I retire and, uh, and I, I can, I want to, but I just sense the Lord saying, no, now is not the time for you to retire. There are more students whose lives I want you to touch and impact. It's about just being obedient. Someone else had mentioned, yeah, you know, I, I, I made the decision uh, many years ago to stop my medical practice so that I could be at home with my children. 
But then there was a season when my children were grown and the Holy Spirit gave me a green light to go back into practice. Somebody else shared a story about a very unjust situation in their workplace, a very, very unfair, unjust, hostile scenario that she had every right to, to quit and to walk away and would have been completely justified. But she had prayed and asked the Lord for that job, and the Lord had given her that job. And the Lord said, hey, have I told you it's time for you to leave yet? She's like, no, you haven't. And so the Holy Spirit gave her the strength to stick it out for another month, and the timing was much better for her and her family's financial situation. And over and over again, it is about, God, what does obedience look like to you and to me today? It's not about, well, you know, I was obedient to God 12 years ago about my job. Have you asked him? God, am I, am I still in a place of obedience? Or is there something new that you have for me? Now, I'm a firm believer that old orders are good orders until new orders come along. That advice, that counsel, that wisdom has been very important to me in my life because I'm someone that I, like to, I can make things happen in my own strength, and they don't tend to work out real well. So that's good sage advice for me, and I would give that to you as well. But I think that some of us have stopped asking God, God, what does it look like for me to obey you in this season of my life regarding my job? Maybe you're comfortable. There's nothing wrong with being comfortable unless it keeps us from doing the will of God. Then it becomes a problem. It becomes a real problem. John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard, he was a successful musician um, uh, before he became a follower of Jesus. I mean, we're talking like big hits, like the Righteous Brothers, Unchained Melody, You've Lost That Love and Feeling, he had you know, played on a lot of those albums, just producing on that. And when God called him, when he, when he accepted Christ, um, you know, one of the things that he and God had a long conversation about was you know, his career. And God just told him, you, you got to be willing to give it up, and he did. He did. He, he gave it up, and he took a job in a setting that had nothing to do with Music City, L.A. Uh, style. It had nothing to do with that at all. He started working in a factory where he had to get up at regular hours. He got dirty. And one day, a guy who he'd worked with in the music industry was looking for him because he had signed a contract to do this recording uh, that was going to pay him a lot of money. And since he was out of that business now, he had to go and, and sign this contract to get him out of that. This guy was looking for him, and he went to the front office. Where's John Wimber? Where's his office? But the reality was, Wimber, the only thing he was really skilled to do, because he'd always done music stuff, he was dumping oil bar barrels and cleaning them out in the back. And the guy comes around to the back, and he finds him there, and he's nasty, and he's dirty. And, 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 and he, the friend asked John, John, what are you doing here? And... Wimber just, you know, in that moment of standing, talking to this friend who knew him from his music business, where he was very successful, he's like, God did this to me. <laughs> but I'm so thankful that the John Wimber was obedient to what God had for him, because he has impacted the, the body of Christ in profound ways. And that we are here as a church, and we've planted church, and we're doing ministry as a church in our community and around the country and around the world. Uh, and the Vineyard, as a movement, is doing that in more than 65 countries around the world and more than 2,500 churches. And so I'm so thankful 
for the obedience that John Wimber had then. And God always blesses obedience. We don't get to determine how he blesses it and when he blesses it, but he always blesses it. And I'm thankful for that. So this morning, I want to ask you, which one of these is maybe the prayer of your heart? Where do you need the Holy Spirit to show up and to, to, to give you, is it understanding? that emotional intelligence to work better with your team or just to serve your clients better? Is it, is it, um, is it wisdom for just how to, to better navigate the information that you've got in your workplace? Is it, is it more about skills? Is it about growing as, a, as an individual in your workplace? Is it, is it more about creativity? Are you really just struggling with maybe just to resist it? I'm tired. I just don't want to work anymore. Maybe it's just that will to work. Or is it that the Holy Spirit is maybe leading you in a different direction and he's guiding you? He's calling you to be obedient. We had a contractor come by our church this week that was working on a a repair for us. And um, I am so thrilled that you guys are doing this in your workplace. Because this guy, he's taught, I don't know where his relationship is with God, but the guy who's working for him is making such an impact on him. He had nothing but amazing things to say about the worker who goes to our church and just, just how amazing he is with their customers, how amazing he is with just people in general. And I just bless my heart. It's like, yeah, this message series for him is, is really unnecessary. He's, he's taking God to his workplace. It's, it's wonderful to see. And I want to continue to challenge you, to encourage you, and to bless the work of God's kingdom in your workplace with all of these things. So I want to invite you to stand right where you are. And if you feel comfortable closing your eyes, I'm just going to ask you, as I maybe go through this, sort of go through this list again, again, the Holy Spirit filled Bezalel, and he gave him these things. What is the one that maybe you're sensing a need for right now? Holy Spirit, Come. Come and bring wisdom. Bring your wisdom, God. We pray that you would pour out your wisdom upon us as as people who work, as people who are engaged in our jobs. Bring your wisdom, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, bring your understanding. Lord, I pray especially that you would help us. Uh, Maybe maybe we, we know the info. Maybe we're there to do our job, but we lack that emotional connection with our team, with our clients, and we see the effects of that. Holy Spirit, particularly for managers, I just pray for a higher level of emotional, uh, just a greater emotional quotient, Lord, a higher EQ. Lord God, I pray that you would fill us with knowledge, Lord. For those who are maybe considering going back to school or getting additional training, I pray that you would, uh, that you would be the, the good shepherd that we, that we read about earlier and that you would lead us along the specific paths, whether it's for college, whether it's for additional maybe master's work, whether it's vocational training, whether it's a completely new career. Whatever it is, Lord, I pray that you would open those doors and that you'd make yourself known. God, I ask for just a a newness, a childlikeness in learning new skills. God, that we would just experience your joy even as we feel like a dunce doing it. 
But Lord God, that we would just uh, let this be part of who we are, our regular rotation of not feeling we have to perform for you, but God, that we can just, that we can grow. Just pray for the neurological health of our congregation, Lord. And Father, I pray that for those who are lacking creativity, we, we come to you knowing that you are the creator, God. Come and pour out your creativity. And God, ultimately, our prayers, we just want to be obedient to you. So what does obedience look like right now for me and for everyone in this room? Holy Spirit, I pray that we would walk in a fresh knowledge of of who you've called us to be and what you've called us to do. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your kindness. In Jesus' name. 